So Tim, I hate saying this, there were so many good speakers, but Tim was definitely my favorite speaker out of the whole time um, because he talked about so many different subjects that were very, it could be very debatable, um, but he brought it in such a way that he debated it himself during that time. He was able to bring it to light in different ways and say, it. here's how it really is, here's how it should be thought about. And one of the things that he really talked about that really hit me was being finding our identity in Christ, and that was being sons and daughters of Christ. And in Paris, there's not very many people at all that know Christ. Um, and if they do, they really shove them out of the way because they, they're just too too um, selfish. They're too self-righteous. And we, we saw a lot of that while we were there. And just hearing from Tim in his heart about how we need to be sons and daughters of Christ and how we're not just here to, um, to walk the walk and talk the talk, but we're actually to be... God's son or God's daughter and to have that relationship. And we're able to we're able to do that through Christ. And I just want to introduce one of my favorite speakers, one of my best friends, Tim Meyer. Hey, that's really kind words. Thanks, Josh. Um, I'm really happy to be with you this morning at Crown. I was here exactly a year ago, but I had been in the job for one week, and so I met some of you, and I was in classes, and I was um, trying to make some stuff up that made sense, and uh, so I'm sorry if you were <laughs> in those classes. It's been really fun to be back uh, and meet with some of you guys already, and we're going to be here the rest of the day. Before I go any further, let me just uh, bookend this International Leadership Summit piece uh, that was in May. There were three students from Crown. We would love to see five or six next June when we do it again in London, England. And so any of you that are interested, uh, information will be coming soon, both via our website and Facebook and all the other things, uh, and probably from some people here at Crown. The Crown representation at ILS uh, was awesome. And we had people from all over the country and Puerto Rico. We had 45 participants that spent a week there in Paris, and the outcomes have been really cool. Some people went back and quit their jobs because God told them to, or they went back and signed up to, to do something else or are leading now uh, in their churches or colleges in a new way. And so we're really thankful that, um, that God was faithful there. So London, June 6th, June 6th to 13th. Uh, I just got back from London Sunday night. It's not going to be super cheap. Okay, London is like relatively expensive, but it's kind of worth it. And uh, I was looking at venues and hostels and everything, and it's going to be really fun. So I hope some of you can come. Um, I want to introduce a couple of people quick, and I'm trying to find if they're in the room that came with me um, today that you'll get a chance to meet later at our booth, which is right outside. The first is Sarah Borns. Is Sarah here? Oh, over here. Okay, she was probably waving, and the spotlight's like, ah. Um, so Sarah is our new, brand new internships and residency coordinator. So for anybody who wants to go with Envision, and I'll explain this in just a second, from one month to two years, Sarah can help make that happen at any of our international sites or our domestic sites. Sarah's been on the team for three weeks, and so uh, she is learning a lot right now, um, but it has been super blessing to have her on the team. And also, there's a special guest that some of you know who's a Crown alum from 2008. Jesse Wagner is here, and, uh, and Jesse's gonna be at our booth too. Jesse is like a couple of weeks away from becoming an official Envision long-term missionary in Taiwan with Chris and Jamie O'Dell. Uh, he's gone through the process and he's gonna be what we call a site associate in Taipei. And so uh, Jesse can give you any info about what it would mean to spend some time in Taipei with them. And I know Chris and Jamie will be here in a couple of months as well. 
I gotta say, I mean, Josh kind of just uh, did this, and this is super inappropriate to do, but I'm gonna say it anyway. That I'm really excited about what God's doing all over the world, but I gotta say, there's something about what God's doing in Taiwan that is like really exciting to me. <laughs> and so I'm not saying it's my favorite site, but I am saying um, I'm very excited. Uh, God has raised up people from Crown, Chris and Jamie O'Dell and Jesse now and others uh, to lead something that feels like um, an Acts kind of thing, uh, a New Testament kind of thing that's going on in Taipei. And, and I am really encouraged uh, by what God's doing. Um, I, I just have uh, 19 minutes left. And so in those 19 minutes, I, I wanna give you just a quick picture of what Envision is trying to do and invite you to be part of that process and challenge you for three minutes at the end. Are you with me on that? I know that's not a lot of time, but we're gonna try to do that. So why am I here, first of all? Because some of you are like, Great, that leadership summit sounds cool because London would be cool, but I have no idea what Envision is. And that's okay. Uh, some of you who are freshmen or upperclassmen are feeling the same way, that's cool. So Envision, the reason I'm here at Crown College is that uh, Envision is part of a larger family. And whether you know it or not, this college is a part of a larger family called the Christian and Missionary Alliance. And there were some people a few years back in the Alliance that looked around and said, man, there's this generation that society is calling the millennials, and they're saying a lot about them, both for good and for bad. But it seems like our family isn't addressing any issues related to millennials, about their mobilization, about uh, what's going on. And there are people like Barna saying 60% of millennials are leaving the local church. And so there were a couple of guys that sat around before I was on the team. Uh, ben Stewart was here last year and spoke in chapel. He's a director of Envision. And, uh, and he and some other guys said, you know what? Um, God may be calling us in this time and place um, to try to see what we can do to help raise up this generation rather than just letting them walk away. Because whether by our presence, and I'm 33, so I'm like the oldest of the millennials and the youngest of the Gen X, but both by our presence and what's happening in church or Christian things when we're there for positive and by our exodus, we are really important to what God is doing in the world or what God will continue to do in the future. And the truth is this millennial generation is already on the move. We're already mobilized in many ways. And so the question is, where are we gonna direct our energy? We can't ignore that this generation is shaping culture and church. It's the largest generation that's ever lived in the United States. And in a couple of years, like 15, most boomers, 10 to 15 years, will be out of leadership and millennials are gonna have to step up. And one of the questions we ask is, are we ready to take that baton and what will it take to get ready? And so in Envision, we're sort of a generational initiative. Now we do a lot of things overseas, but also in the States. Um, but our, our calling, our heart's cry is to raise up the generation for kingdom change. We wanna raise up this next generation, the biggest one that's ever lived in, in the US but we don't wanna just raise us up to feel cool or like we did something or feel better about ourselves because we went and served some poor people. We have no interest in that. Uh, in Envision, we're all about what God would raise us up to do for kingdom change. We are unashamedly, unabashedly, unafraid to say that Envision is all about Jesus Christ. We, we have no desire to become a parachurch organization that just does something cool. We wanna see Jesus move. We wanna get to know him and we wanna get to know his bride. 
And we wanna help encourage his bride to be the hope of the world and to change things all over the place. Like in places where the church is not or in places like Burkina Faso, West Africa, where people can't get clean water or places where women are being sold into sex slavery and we say we're not cool with that because Jesus isn't cool with that and his, hope, his church is the hope of the world. We're not trying to circumvent the church or work around the church. Uh, we are passionate about Jesus and who he loves, which is all people, but he has chosen to use his church as the primary means to establish his kingdom throughout the world. And so we wanna be all about that. But the question then that people ask is, so what do you actually do? Because that sounds interesting. And in, over the last year, I've had a lot of people go, Envision seems like you guys are trying to be like hipster cool, but we don't actually know what you're doing. <laughs> and I get that. So here are a couple of things that we actually do. We are trying to create experiences that shape the faith of this generation of millennials. Now, will, will we change our focus when it comes to a next generation? Maybe, but we got a lot of work to do first. So right now we're focused on millennials. And, and we create experiences that do that, experiences that explore the connection between faith and culture. This is a very complex world in which we live. I lived in Paris for four years, and before that lived in New York City area for five years, uh, and did ministry there. And let me tell you, the globalized and I get to travel a lot right now, the globalized world in which we live, both because of terrorism and technology, of globalization, pluralism, syncretism, poverty, war, and everything else in between is really complex. And so part of our question that we have to ask is, in what way does our faith actually intersect the culture in which we live? Some of that's moral responsibility. Some of it's just like, what does it mean to be a Christian and hold on to the things that Jesus is calling us to hold on to and let go of the things that we need to let go of? And so one of the ways that we've done that is there's a documentary coming out really soon called Scissors and Glue. And uh, it's, it's messy conversations that shape millennial faith. So we've interviewed people from now 10 countries. And I think a team's coming to Crown very soon to interview some of you to hear what you think about God and faith and church and your involvement. And so it's sort of a, a documentary about millennials, by millennials, for millennials, and also for the church at large to say, here's what we're actually thinking, and here's why we're frustrated. Here's why we might feel like we wanna leave, but here's why we love Jesus. And here's what God is doing, and maybe in a new way in the world. We also wanna, so that's the experiences that connect faith and culture. We also wanna create experiences that deepen relationship with God and others. So the Leadership Summit is one of those where we say we wanna press in in, in small ways where we can to encourage, engage, and mobilize and deepen your relationship with God. I mean, that's ultimately what, what we need to be doing, um, but also with other people. And so we have things like ILS that's coming up, but we also have ways to do that overseas through internships. And so when you go to a site, one of our 14 international sites around the world, soon to be 18, Malaga, Spain uh, opens in 2015, London is gonna open in 2016, looks like. Mali, West Africa is right on the horizon. Guinea, West Africa, if Ebola would go away, um, that would start launching. We have people on the ground. Um, and so there's soon to be 18 sites around the world. If you go to one of those for a summer or a semester, whether for credit or without credit, or maybe a year after you graduate college, and Sarah was just sharing in a class earlier that after college for her, she sort of saw maybe a responsibility or an opportunity to tithe a year of her life to the Lord. 
her first year of adult professional life was to go and serve God somewhere overseas. And that's what she did. And if you go to one of those places, then we're, our commitment to you is to help you develop in discipleship so people will be walking with you and to help you learn how to disciple other people and do the ministry on the ground. So sometimes that involves learning some language. It definitely involves getting trained on how to live overseas, but that's one area where you can explore that. The final area, and this kind of connects with that one, is to, is to give you something that is kingdom impactful, significant, lasting to do. Um, one of the characteristics of the millennial generation that's a really good one is that we, somebody said this earlier, I was in a class, that we're sort of in a healthy discontent with the world and with the way things are. We're not content just to kind of let things go, but instead of just being cynical and criticizing and leaving, we would like to say, are there ways in which we can engage in our healthy discontent? to actually do something meaningful. So one of the ways is by our semester campaign. So do we have that video uh, queued up? Uh, I'd love to show this video of our new semester campaign. I'll explain it in just a second. Hey everyone, Ben Stewart here with Envision. I'm standing just a few miles from the Syrian border in Northern Jordan. This fall, I'm really excited to invite you to participate in our semester campaign. Since 2011, over two million people have been displaced from Syria. Not only have they given up their homes and their communities, but they've also had to abandon their dreams and their future. Over half a million of those people are in this area and over half of those people are children. So this fall, we're inviting you to participate, to join us and our partners here in Northern Jordan to start a school, to provide an education for 120 children. So whether it's by simply purchasing a t-shirt or sponsoring a child's education. Together, we can help these children learn to dream again. So Mafrak Jordan right now is our semester campaign. Last semester, our goal was to dig 10 wells in Burkina Faso to provide clean water, and God provided the money to dig 19, $140,000. And we're thankful for that. And so our goal, the big lofty goal, is there are 120 children who are Syrian refugees in Mifraq, Jordan right now who stopped going to school and who have sort of already started giving up a little bit. And our desire is to say, we've got workers on the ground with Kama, our relief and development arm. Some of you know Mike Soam, who hangs around here every once in a while, who's the director and president of Kama and, um, and one of my good friends. And uh, we're partnering with those folks on the ground. So we have a booth outside when you leave today that you can buy a t-shirt like this, walking advertisement um, for $15, there's another style too, or a hoodie, long sleeve hoodie for 25. And that money goes directly to the kids. We do not take a cent of that money. It goes directly to the education. And our goal is to see if we can raise enough education for all of those kids. Another way to do something meaningful is to actually go and do it. So I, I talked about internships. Some of you have taken short-term trips. Some of you went on a trip to Taiwan this summer and have gone other places with Envision. And, uh, and I invite you to do that. Um, Sarah could answer any of your questions about, about, and I could too, about those internship opportunities. Or even some of you might be sitting here as seniors going, like, or juniors or whatever, saying, maybe I wanna do this for more than a year. And that is also a possibility. And so what Jesse's doing right now um, is possible for you to say, I'd like to sign up long-term with Envision and to help lead this thing around the world. 
We have nine minutes left, and in these nine minutes, I'm just gonna give you a brief challenge. My wife and I have been married for 12 years, and uh, we have two little boys, Blaine and Jude. Um, Blaine is seven, and uh, Jude is four. And we had the great opportunity in 2008 to leave the country and do something really stupid with our one-year-old and move to a place that we'd never visited <laughs> and, uh, and become, quote, missionaries or international workers there. And the reason we did that is because I got to the place in my mind where I realized, man, I already, like, I can sense, I was really blessed by the worship time. You guys are really blessed by this group, by the way. Okay, I go to a lot of different places and you're really blessed by them. So don't take that for granted. <laughs> I could have sang for another 30 minutes. That was awesome. Um, but I got in this place where a lot of you are, where you already have a heart for God and you're already stirred, but you kind of know what you're supposed to do but you kind of don't want to do it. I was meeting with a guy in Minneapolis yesterday and he goes, I know what I'm supposed to do. I just don't want to do it. And at least he's honest, right? Because God is calling us all into a place of surrender and commitment because we have options when it comes to engaging in what he's doing, both in our lives and around the world. We have options. In Mark chapter four, Jesus takes the disciples on their first mission trip. They get caught in this storm. They've never left their safe region yet. They get caught in a storm some of them might not have wanted to go because they knew that their message might be rejected. They gotta step out on their own. So end of Mark 4, they get caught in this storm and some of them might be thinking, see, I told you this was a bad idea. Like we should have never gone on this stupid trip. And Jesus is sleeping in the boat, doesn't even seem like he cares. Gets up, calms the wind and the waves. Then it says the disciples are even more afraid because they're with a guy who calmed the wind and the waves. Um, and, and, and Jesus says, okay, we're still on this trip. Come on, just trust me, let's go. And, and so the first you know, way that we can respond to God when he calls us on mission or to engage is just to not go. Like we could just not get in the boat. We could not go on the trip. We could not press into him on a daily basis. We could choose not to make disciples. That's definitely an option for us. But the disciples at least track with him and they get in the boat. Then they get out in Mark chapter five. And do you know the first guy that they meet? Does anybody know this story? The first guy they meet when they get out of the boat after the storm is this demonized guy who comes running and he's been like, you know, gnashing his teeth and he's been chained up and all this stuff. And, and Mark 5 says that no one could restrain him. He was that crazy. So he comes running up to them and he starts yelling out to Jesus and all the disciples are like, it doesn't say exactly what they're doing, but it's, it doesn't say that they did anything. So in my mind, they're standing behind Jesus going, see, I told you this was a bad idea. <laughs> you know, like we had really good reception in this other place um, and things were going fine. Why would you mess this up? And, uh, and Jesus um, cast the demons out of this guy into pigs. They run off a cliff. The whole industry is ruined and everybody in the town wants him dead. And so, and they want the disciples dead because they're hanging out with them. And so then they all just run away. But before they get on the boat to leave, the, the guy, do you remember this story? The guy says to Jesus, can I please come with you? Like no one has ever helped me. No one's ever been here to set me free. And you've set me free. Can I come with you? And Jesus says, nope, you can't come. Which isn't a great strategy. <laughs> In my, you know, in the Western sort of, of course, anyone can join, you know? No, you can't come, but here's your responsibility. Just go walk around. And when people say, how are you out of that cave? You say, I met somebody that changed everything and his name's Jesus. But the disciples do nothing. They say nothing to anyone uh, and they get back in the boat. The truth of that part is 
that what is going on in the world and what we're being called to is not a physical, let's just help people thing. It's a spiritual awakening. It is a spiritual dynamic. And as millennials, sometimes we can rely on our good intentions to go try to help people, but it's bankrupt. Because what the world needs is not more cool, hip people. The answer for relevance is not like skinny jeans. It's a fresh outpouring of the Holy Spirit. And if God doesn't move in these places, and if we don't join him there, then all of this nice stuff that people are trying to do is just bankrupt. Because in the end, it doesn't solve the ultimate issue of people's souls, minds, bodies, and every way being set free. And this guy that Jesus encounters is set free. But the disciples don't yet kind of get it. They get back on the boat. And then they don't come back here until Mark chapter seven, end of Mark chapter seven. They get out of the boat in Mark 7 to the same place in the Decapolis. And all of a sudden, there's crowds meeting them. There are people that bringing their sick and their lame, people bringing family members, people coming themselves to find out what's going on. And we have no record of any testimony in the region other than this one guy who gets set free. And the disciples then are exposed to the fact that when Jesus changes something, he really fundamentally changes it. And the whole spiritual atmosphere in this region has changed. When I lived in Paris, 10 million people, 1 million young adults, less than one-tenth of 1% of them know Christ. And so if God doesn't spiritually change the atmosphere in Paris, in Africa, in South America, in Asia, all over the world, then we don't have any hope. But the good news is he is changing the atmosphere. He is setting people free. And so the call to us and to the disciples was the same thing in the Great Commission. As you're going now, here's, here's what you can do. You can join me in what I'm already doing to reconcile all of creation to myself. Here's what I'm already doing. Do you wanna funnel your energy towards you or towards what I'm doing? And so in Envision, and this goes way beyond Envision. So my heart for you, if you go like, who cares about a vision? I'm not buying a t-shirt. I'm never going on this. Fine. But my heart for you is that at least if God stirs in you, that you say yes to engaging in what he's stirring in you, but also in the places that he's calling, even the uncomfortable ones. And even if you're honest this morning and go, I just don't feel like doing that. I don't, I don't want to reach out to my friends who don't know Christ. I don't want to press into God daily. I just don't feel like doing that. And then saying to God, please break this in me so that I can be set free like that guy in Mark 5. Because we have an option to either not engage or to engage in mission. I was friends with a guy um, recently who, when I met him, um, this was overseas, his life was in shambles. Wife left him. Uh, autistic daughter, lost his job, um, had no hope, did not know Christ, never heard the gospel. Met with a guy, his name is Mally, and uh, it took a while. We were running together and we were friends, and so it took a while. But something lit up in him one day, and he said, man, maybe my only chance is Christ. He was sitting, his foot was broken, he was sitting in this service, and a guy was preaching on healing, and he said, God, I know I've been on this journey. I'm talking to you right now. This is Mally. Uh, I feel selfish asking you to heal my foot, but I am confident enough to hear what this guy's saying that maybe you could heal my heart. So I'll turn it over to you. 
And if you have extra time, heal my foot. And uh, he went out and tested it the next day, 10 miles, no pain. And God healed his foot, but he also healed his life. And six months ago, he got married to a young uh, missionary from Germany uh, that works with the Christian Missionary Alliance. He is now helping us to plan. He lined up the venues for the International Leadership Summit in London. He worked for 10 years in London as a restaurant owner and is saying things like, all I know is I was lost and now I'm found. All I know is nothing made sense and now everything makes sense and I've got to use every ounce of the remaining energy of my life. He was a raging alcoholic before, like started drinking at 5 a.m., stop at 2 a.m. kind of guy. And, uh, and he said, I, want to use, I wasted a lot of years. I want to use every ounce of energy to tell everybody I can about the life-changing power of Christ. And so what I'm inviting you to is into people's stories like Mally to see what God will do around the world. Let me pray for you. God, you are faithful and so good, and we're so privileged to be in this place this morning, um, overwhelmed by your love during worship and your, um, even the selection of people here in the room. And I pray, God, that whether it's with Envision or with someone else, um, that you would help us, oh God, to not channel our energy to do something for ourselves primarily, but to give our lives for the King and the kingdom and that you would give us great joy in doing that because this is really fun stuff that you're doing all over the world. And we wanna give you the glory and the credit for that and ask you to walk with us out of this place to see how that translates into day-to-day studies and life and conversation. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, before I release you, I'm gonna be um, with Sarah out here, but then also in the lunchroom from 12 to two. And we'll be set up with like, some stuff and maybe some t-shirts and other things that you could come and chat and ask questions and just hang out and say hi. So please do that. Have a great day. See you later.